This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. While I was working as a temp here at Burge, a full-time position opened up across the street at Courier, and I just kind of slid right into that. Iowa has a low unemployment rate, and many older workers are in the workforce here longer. And that his medical bills were so high that without the university health benefits she had, that they would have had to sell off their house and maybe even been homeless. For some, it's a choice to continue working. Workers over the age of 50 are more engaged, dramatically less likely to turn over than some of their younger counterparts. Iowa's older workforce, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Given the demographics of Iowa's population, many Iowa workers are nearing retirement age, but they are staying in the workforce longer than they may have planned. Being forced to keep their jobs in order to cover the high health care costs they could not otherwise afford from savings. Baby boomers, those born between 1946 and 1964, currently between ages 55 and 73, are a growing force in the Iowa workplace. In a special Iowa Watch Daily Iowa newspaper collaboration, Nicole Shaw reports now on older Iowans who stay in their jobs to cover huge health care costs. Baby boomers across the United States are working longer than earlier generations. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics show that older workers aged 50 and up, who previously would have been retired, are working longer and participating more in the job market than younger workers aged 16 to 24 by 4.5 percent. Debbie Bell, a 59-year-old woman from West Liberty, Iowa, is one of these older workers. She has worked at the University of Iowa's Burge Marketplace for 35 years as a food worker, who participates in the early setup and oversees the dessert and breakfast bar. Her 58-year-old husband, Jeff Bell, is her primary reason for not retiring early. He has chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, otherwise known as COPD. My husband and I had just moved back from Oklahoma, and I got a job as a, a temp worker while I was looking for full-time work. And then, uh, while I was working as a temp here at Burge, a full-time position opened up across the street at Courier. And I just kind of slid right into that. And then after they closed Courier's Kitchen in 91, so I came back to Burge. But I like working with the kids. I like getting to know some of the kids. And the benefits are good. The pay isn't bad, you know. It, if you'd have asked me 35 years ago if I'd have still been here, I'd have probably said no but it just one day after another and pretty soon you look around and it's like, wow, I've been here my whole life. But yeah, the, ins the insurance that we have here and the retirement packages that they have are pretty decent. We, we're, we're the same as the teachers and the faculty. We're on what they call TIAA for retirement. And it it's, racks up pretty quick when you've been here a few years. Another person who gets the benefits is University of Iowa Economics Departmental Chair John Solo, who I spoke with about the trend in older workers. He said the increase in the baby boomer generation has helped the economy fill the gaps of a shrinking number of younger workers. So the baby boom generation is getting to retirement age. 
And at the same time, the birth rate is relatively low, but that younger cohort of the population, that is shrinking. People aren't having as many kids as they used to. Family sizes are getting smaller. Women are waiting later in life to have children, all that sort of stuff. And at the same time, you have this increased demand for job, for, for workers. There are more and more elderly people who have retired from regular jobs or maybe lost regular jobs during the recession and have a hard time. Some of this may not be entirely voluntary retirement. Pension funds have tended to be not funded in the sense that you know, when you put money into your pension, it's not like your employer invests it in an asset you know, in the stock market or something like that. You, in a sense, have this account that's building up value that you can then draw down when you retire. It's largely moving more to a system where what the current workers are putting in, that gets used to pay the current retirees. And that means that what the current retirees get is sometimes at risk. Again, Debbie Bell. I'm trying to line things up so that I can retire. Like my husband's on disability. So if I can get some insurance that will cover him so I can get him off my policy, then I will go ahead and retire. If I can't find anything for him, then I will stay working because I got to keep insurance for him. Adequate health care insurance is crucial for the Bell couple's financial stability. Debbie says her husband's stage four chronic obstructive pulmonary disease has required expensive prescriptions and medical equipment to support his failing respiratory system. A lot of the places don't, he's on Medicare, but Medicare really doesn't cover a lot. And it doesn't cover a lot of the prescriptions that he has to take. And he's on oxygen 24 seven. So we have concentrators and we have CPAP machines and we have nebulizers and he's also diabetic so we've got all that medication. He has one of his inhalers alone is over $500 a month. So I have to keep a decent prescription insurance. He goes in for cardiac echoes every six months and that's like, you know, $1,500 a shot. And uh, it's hard to find some place that will cover the pre-existing I know they all said that Obamacare was so wonderful. Well, it doesn't work that well. It doesn't, uh, they're limited on a lot of the prescriptions that they cover. And some of them, they will accept you, but you have very high premiums and extremely high deductibles. Like I know my sister, she just recently passed away with cancer. The only insurance she could find was a $3,000 deductible before they would even kick in and pay for anything. So the insurance that we have here at the university is, is a lot. It's very good. And if it wasn't for that, you know, we probably would have been homeless. <laughs> We'd have had to get rid of our house and, you know, sell off everything we had because of medical bills. So the insurance is the primary thing that I have to, have to stay here for with him. Most insurance companies outside of the TIAA package that Debbie has don't cover the expenses of Jeffrey's prescriptions adequately to where the couple could survive financially if Debbie retired. A lot of them won't cover certain medications that he's on. They call them three-tier or whatever that means for their, and they won't pay 
even 20% of the cost of them. And like I said, the Simplicord is over $500 a month. And there's no way a normal person can pay that. I mean, you know, even somebody with a much better job than I have, with that just being one of the three inhalers that he takes a day, you know, you could go broke real quick. I have a friend that lives in Canada and she started getting sick last July. And by the time she got through their healthcare system, since what she had wasn't considered life-threatening, from July, she wasn't scheduled to have her gallbladder removed until December 7th. Because it's, uh, you know, if you're not on the verge of death, then you're not priority. So, you know, here it's whoever has the most money, which in a way is, can be beneficial but it isn't really fair either. Employers like the University of Iowa come in handy when they provide strong healthcare benefits compared to what other employers offer. In her case, the university also offers Bella a flexible schedule that most older workers need because they are often caregivers for other elderly people. One other thing, in Iowa, older workers are not only working longer, but they are the primary age in the workforce. The Center on Aging and Work says two of every three workers in the state who are 55 to 60 years old, are still in the workforce. The question of why is not going to go away. And reporter Nicole Shaw talks now with the executive director and editor of Iowa Watch, Lyle Muller, about her reporting. Where did you get this story idea? I actually was on Twitter, because um, it's one of the social media platforms that I love to just scroll around on as a journalist. They have a lot of good story ideas that I'm always looking at on there. And I saw an article published by Bloomberg, um, and it kind of detailed the transition of older workers, or as they called it, senior citizens, replacing um, teenagers in the fast food industry. And I thought that was really interesting because in my hometown of Naperville, Illinois, um, a lot of the teenagers that worked there weren't working anymore. We lived in the upper middle class community, and um, a lot of the people that did work were older, and they were um, probably around age 50 and up. And so that interested me and I wanted to see if that was something that was also happening here in Iowa. Um, because I know that at the University of Iowa, there are a lot of student workers because it is a college town. But I also noticed in the dining halls that there are a fair amount of older workers that are working in tandem with those students and providing them with experience and things like that. And so I just kind of like looked into that and the story kind of spun out from there. Um, this yeah, you was, weren't really looking for the story that eventually came out. Yeah, no, I really wasn't. Um, it just happened to be something that I saw um, while I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter. And then um, this project for my class came up for my journalism class, and I had to produce a final project story that created a um, written report and a, also a video story, an audio story, and a data visualization story. And so one of the people in my class, um, her name is Skylar Gray, she... Uh, was in my Foundations of English class that I was taking at the time. And I was, I was just talking about this, and she goes, oh, I know someone that works at Burridge, because Burridge Dining Hall is where she lived. And so she got me in connection with the um, focus of my story, which is Debbie Bell, a 59-year-old woman from West Liberty, Iowa. And kind of the story just took off from there. And when you say the story took off from there, you were writing about people in older ages mm -hmm. having jobs in the dining hall. And that was the story you were going to write. Mm -hmm. But it didn't turn out that way. That's not the story that you eventually came up with, which was working late into retirement or while getting close to retirement. Mm -hmm. 
for healthcare costs. Yeah. How did that story come about? Well, um, initially I was interviewing Debbie Bell and asking her about her experience in working at the dining hall um, and kind of why she was working there. And the answer that I received wasn't one that I was expecting because, you know, I had just imagined that older workers were working longer because they were healthier and they didn't want to stay at home as long. Um, but what I didn't expect was for her to answer that her husband had stage four chronic pulmonary um, disease, obstructive pulmonary disease, otherwise known as COPD, and that his medical bills were so high that without the university health benefits she had, that they would have had to sell off their house and maybe have even been homeless, um, she suggested, when I spoke to her. And so from there, I kind of delved into that and pushed that side of the story because that seemed to be the more promising um, part. I think that was really, really important for people to know and people to understand because healthcare is an issue in the United States um, in trying to get coverage. And I think seeing her story as just a regular everyday Iowan was something that was really important and people that could connect with that. What were some of the main things you learned from her and especially those things that might have surprised you? Um, I learned from her specifically that like as a person, like as me myself, not even as a journalist, but just like as a regular person, um, is that you have to do basically anything to make needs end. She's worked at Bridgetown Hall for 35 years and she did not expect to work there for that long. I mean, she basically spent most of her life working for the University of Iowa um, within the dining department. And it's not something that she had initially envisioned. I actually spoke to her and she said that she wanted to do something um, with animals and like maybe veterinary school or things like that. But she ended up having to work um, at Bridge Dining Hall for that long. And while she doesn't enjoy it, it wasn't something that she had envisioned for her life. And so that was one thing that I took away from her um, and that I really, really appreciated. Did you run into any roadblocks while you were producing this story? I did, particularly um, with being able to go back into the dining hall and try and um, see the process of her actually working and what she has to do when she's overseeing um, these younger students in the breakfast bar and the dessert bar and just her basic day, day daily task at work and how those things plan out. Um, and I also did not get the chance to talk to her husband, um, Jeff Rubel, which um, I would have liked to do as well. And why was that? Um, he did not want to be um, seen or pictured or have any direct quotes from himself because as someone with a stage four respiratory disease um, and like failure of the lungs, he kind of felt a little bit self-conscious about how, how he would be perceived by the public. And so he chose to um, not be quoted or pictured. In is he in a respirator? Yes, he is. 24-hour respirator. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. It is. You mentioned that this was a class project. It was from a journalism class project in the fall of 2018. As you were doing that project, could you envision at that point in time that the story you wrote and are producing would be given a statewide audience? I did not imagine that at all, to be honest. Um, I thought maybe the Daily Iowan would publish it because I am a columnist there. And the Daily Iowan is the University of Iowa student-run newspaper. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the Daily Iowan is one that I could see myself being published in, um, but I had no way thought that I would be published statewide um, with this story, which is something that I'm really, really grateful for this opportunity um, and being able to tell this story because I think it's important. Um, but yeah, it's not something that I had initially envisioned when I was writing this for a journalism class, and so it came as a nice surprise. Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller 
speaking with reporter Nicole Shaw. You can read her reporting online at iowawatch.org. Coming up, more on the subject of older workers. I'll talk with the state director of AARP in Iowa. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. We continue our examination of older workers in Iowa now. Brad Anderson is the state director for AARP Iowa. We spoke in their offices in downtown Des Moines on January 24th. People are working at an older age than they did before. Sometimes it's by choice because they just want to be active. Sometimes, though, it's not by choice. What sense do you get either about the population or your members? Well, I will say um, ARP has done a number of studies on the workforce and how it's aging. And what I don't think people fully appreciate just how much older the workforce is going to be by, say, 2024 and how much it has shifted from 1994. In 1994, about 12% of the workforce was over the age of 55. In 2024, that number is going to be 25%. It's going to be the highest demographic in the workforce is those over the age of 55. Now, why is the workforce getting older? Um, I think some of it is financial, uh, and studies show that because there are no more fixed pensions. Uh, those seem to be going by the wayside. I also, we've seen several studies that show people are healthier much longer and they're living free of disability much longer, um, even than 10 or 15 years ago. And so a 75-year-old person right now um, may feel much more healthy and have uh, a greater ability to work than a 75-year-old person did you know, even 20 years ago. So there, there are a number of reasons for it, but what I want people to understand is the workforce is getting much older, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And um, I think when, when we look at what the levels of engagement um, and the levels of turnover among those over the age of 50 versus say millennials or Generation X or Generation Z or previous generations, you'll find that workers over the age of 50 
are more engaged, um, and there is dramatically less likely to turn over than um, some of their younger counterparts. And so there are benefits to hiring uh, older folks in the workforce. Um, and it, you know, given the, the tight labor market right now, uh, the truth is a lot of employers don't have a choice. There's a sense of being penny wise and pound foolish. We often hear that in order to save money, quote unquote save money, they offer early retirement benefits to perfectly good workers. You'll lose a lot in the company because you no longer have that institutional memory, that skill set. Your bottom line may look good today, but that's a short-term fix. But that also means opportunity, doesn't it, for individuals who are looking still to be contributing members of a workforce but find themselves almost reinventing themselves at a later point in a career. That's a great opportunity in a state where we're really looking for workers because our unemployment rate is the lowest in the nation. Yeah, we have uh, the unemployment rate in Iowa is stunning. We have some parts in Iowa that their unemployment rate is at 1%. And so I think at a time where you've got a tight labor market like that, if you are a worker who has either been laid off or maybe you're just looking for a different opportunity, maybe you know, you, um, you, you were a writer back in the day, uh, you had, you, you've been in sales for a while, but you want to get back to marketing and writing. The truth is there are a ton of opportunities out there and it's statewide. It's in rural Iowa, it's in Des Moines, it's in Cedar Rapids, it's everywhere. And so I would encourage everybody, um, if you are not happy with your job or you are looking for a job, there is no reason why you shouldn't be uh, out there proactively finding some incredible opportunities across the state because um, it is a tight labor market and more and more employers I think are appreciating uh, the skills that some of the older workforce brings to their companies and their organizations and um, you know study after study shows that employees over 50 have a lot to offer companies if given the opportunity. AARP Iowa State Director Brad Anderson. We spoke in their Des Moines offices on January 24, 2019. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.